0: political division and the race division that we've experienced in the last five years is unlike anything I've seen in years. And so I think that complicates pastoring, and it it gives us a bigger challenge.
1: Hi, I'm Susanna, and this is The Susanna Gibbs Show. On today's podcast, we have John Metter of Cross City Church. He talked with me about his new book, God's Not Done With You, Encouragement from the Bible's Greatest Comeback Stories. We also talked about what it's like to pastor in today's society. He's a really nice man. I hope you enjoy it. And now... A word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Susanna, owner of Gibb Insurance Services. Yes, I am the same person. For over 25 years, we have served our clients all over the great state of Texas. As an independent insurance agency, we are rooted in the community we serve, and we're there for the good times and the bad. We hear so many inspiring stories worth sharing. The Gibb Agency is proud to support and promote the talented people that live and work in our community in Dallas and all of Texas. The star that shines brightest. And now... On with the show. Today on the podcast, I have John Metter. Am I saying your name right before we even get started?
0: That's correct.
1: He's a pastor of Cross City Church in Ulyss, and the author of God's Not Done With You, encouragement from the Bible's greatest comeback stories. Thank you so much for being with me.
0: Well, I'm thrilled to be with you, Susan. Thank you for asking.
1: So I do love a good comeback story. Would you tell us yours, please?
0: Well, I love comeback stories, too, and, and uh, I do believe that um, my life has some comeback story in it. Uh, I was uh, actually a young boy whenever I lost my hearing through a high fever, a high temperature. And uh, in fact, my first memory uh, of my parents is them putting me in a bathtub full of ice trying to break a high fever. And uh, so that was kind of what they did in the day. And it did break, And uh, but I was left with inner ear nerve damage from the the fever, prolonged high fever. And so uh, my world went silent. Um, And I was—I already had learned to speak some, but I didn't really know what happened to me. I didn't really realize everything had gone silent. So it was about a year before my parents discovered that I'd lost 95% of my hearing. And uh, I still have that hearing loss today. And and, uh, so coming back from that is one element of what I would call a comeback story.
1: So you said you can't hear yourself speak at all.
0: Well, I I can't hear, uh, for example, I hear a part of your voice. I I sometimes hear with these hearing aids, I hear um, what you would hear as a murmuring in another room. So I can't hear consonants. I can hear vowel sounds. And I read lips, and I put the lip reading of the consonants together with what sounds I hear that are more vowel sounds. And use context and the grace of God, and it just kind of works.
1: You have a beautiful voice. Oh, well, thank you. It's interesting that you don't get to enjoy it as we do, but I think you probably worked really hard on it, didn't you?
0: Well, as a young boy, my, uh, my mom and dad were incredible uh, encouragers, and they put me with some people that helped me learn how to read lips and pronounce words. And so, as a young boy, I had to read out loud all the time for my parents so that they would make sure I was pronouncing words correctly. Now, um, we were from Oklahoma. And my, uh, my speech therapist was from Houston, Texas. So I ended up with a South Texas draw.
1: And for years, <laughs> didn't know
0: how I got that. Uh, that's how I got it, though. And bless her heart, she did a great job of teaching me to read lips, but she left me with her accent.
1: That's very cute. So tell us how you came up with the idea of this book. Obviously, it's based on your experiences, but you the genesis of it had to come from somewhere.
0: Well, I really believe that uh, as I was reading through... Um, these different characters in the Bible, Uh, and as I was interacting with the people in our church, I'd seen some great comeback stories from our people, and as I was uh, kind of working through some Old Testament characters in my preaching schedule, I was amazed at how many of these great heroes in the Bible came back from devastating past. Whether it be David coming back from adultery, or Joseph coming back from adversity at every turn, nearly every hero in the Bible had incredible difficulty in a previous season of life. And so I began to see these all as comeback stories. In fact, there are very few great men or women of God in the Bible that didn't have a tough past or a difficult mountain to overcome. So that turned into a message series called Great Comes Back, Great Comebacks in the Bible. And then the um, the resonance of that message series with our people struck me as something unusual. And so I began to put it on paper. And then the pandemic hit. And in the midst of that pandemic, I thought, we're all going to have to come back from something, whether it's circumstantial or pandemic-related or whatever it might be. And so that's really when the book was written.
1: That kind of answers my next question, which was, how long did it take you to write it?
0: (laughs) It took me about a year and a half to write the book. Uh, It was based on messages that I had researched and accompanied with uh, stories of people that had come to me to visit about those truths. And uh, so it took about um, it took about 18 months to two years to write. It takes a while to find the right kind of publisher, so that took some time. So maybe three years in in its entirety.
1: I have to think it's very exciting, and probably your church is just as excited about it as you are.
0: Well, I'm really um, thrilled with how uh, supportive they've been and encouraging they've been, and and uh, the book released April 1st, which was last Saturday, and. So our church members have just jumped all over that, Um, so we're we're excited about it, and I'm actually going to preach a message series based on the book starting Easter Sunday for the nine weeks following that. So in many ways, messages that they've heard parts of in the past, uh, they're going to be able to hear again, and it's going to be in this form. God's not done with you.
1: God's not done with you. So you've been a pastor for 35 years? Is that right? Uh,
0: nearly 40 now, nearly 40. The last uh, 17 here at Cross City, which used to be called First Baptist Church Euless. It's right next to the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. And we changed our name uh, about four years ago because we were planting some satellites in different cities. And so Cross City Church became the uh, the main name. <clears throat> we're Cross City Euless. We have Cross City Keller. We have other plans for other locations. Oh,
1: that's great. When did you decide that you were going to be a pastor. I couldn't find the answer to this question in all of my research, and I just feel like there's probably a good story there.
0: There's a great story there. I was a college athlete, and I played basketball in college and had no intention of uh, going into ministry. My father was actually a pastor and a very good one, a very genuine, godly man. Um, I've been blessed with great parents. But I did not want any part of that. I didn't want any part of any part of pastoring. I was a believer. I walk, walk with the Lord. But uh, I saw myself in athletics, and if not in athletics, then in business. And uh, so I got a business degree in college. But as I was going through the Bible, reading through the Bible on my own for the first time, my faith was really—I was really owning my faith as a college student. That was my faith. It was not my parents' faith. It was—it was me experiencing the Lord in a fresh way. And as I was. Walking through the Bible, I got to the place in the Bible called Ecclesiastes where Solomon is saying, Vanity is vanity, all is vain. And he talks about just how vain the world is and how vain different pursuits are if you're not following what God wants for your life. And in the middle of the book of Ecclesiastes, I sensed the Lord saying, I'm calling you to ministry. And I didn't know what kind of ministry. I had a lot of arguments about it because I couldn't hear well. I thought pastors need to be able to hear well. At the time, telephone technology wasn't so good, and so I didn't ever speak on the telephone, and I was terrified to speak in public. So all these things were just not adding up in my mind, and as I began to pray about this over a period of time, God just began to answer every question uh, in a very spiritual, biblical way, and I came away going, wow, um, I would be uh, foolish not to hear that call to preach Uh, in essence God told me not in audible voices but in, in a voice that was very unmistakable if you can hear me that's the one you need to hear the most and so over the course of my ministry I've tried to hear the Lord better than anything else
1: I have two questions I want to ask at the same time and I'm trying to decide which one to go with first I'm going to dip back to athletics for just a second how did you compensate for your lack of hearing on the athletic field because you can't hear the whistle, you can't hear the
0: referee. Football was wild in high school because you sure can't hear it on the football field. It's a much bigger field. And so I, I, I often played much longer than I should have on any given play and maybe got a few penalties out of that. But on the basketball court, it was a little more obvious when the play stopped. And so that's that's kind of how that worked. That, that whistle is too shrill for me to hear. So consequently, um, I just kind of became alert through just peripheral vision and being able to see everybody stopped. And that's how that worked. It didn't, it didn't end up being too bad.
1: Okay. <laughs> now, the other thing was as a pastor of 40 years, I would assume you've done your fair share of counseling. Do you feel like you're, you're, hearing lack of loss of, there's a better way to say that gave you a little bit of street cred when you were talking to people about overcoming adversity
0: there's no doubt. There have been many times when someone has uh, described some sort of a handicap or difficulty where they felt like they were behind everybody else. And, and I could honestly look at them and say, I know exactly how you feel when it comes to being behind. Grades were always difficult for me. Some social circumstances were not easy. It, it's easy to identify for me, with people that have those kinds of struggles, that are unchangeable things, things that they wonder, why does God not change this? Why did God not heal me or help me more? So I can certainly identify with that. But Susan, I would also say, I think this is, this is something that just kind of, I think, impresses me over the years. I have to listen really intently for me to hear what, what someone is saying. And most people are not good listeners. And so for me to listen carefully to them when they speak is appreciated. Now, they don't know that I can't survive without listening intently. They don't often think of it that way. They think, "Wow, he's a good listener. He really does hear me. And, uh, <laughs> but, but I have to listen intently. And I think that, that, uh, that, along with the compassion element, helps me in ministry.
1: Do you feel like people's reactions to hearing loss as a child are different than now you're an adult?
0: Yes. Yes, I do. If you're a child and you lose your hearing, you, you are, uh, you're in a spotlight that adults aren't. Children are not normally as compassionate as adults may be with any shortcomings. And so there's the ridicule, there's the mocking that goes on, and then there's the self-identity issue, which I struggled with growing up. And trying to find some level playing field, so to speak, where I'm equal to you was a quest that I had. I mean, I need to be equal to you. I would say to people, or think, at least in my mind. And I'm not equal to you because I can't hear as well as you can. I can't function in some ways as well as you can. So it, it became an identity issue with me, and, and I use sports as my playing field. I can't compete with you in the classroom, but let's go out on the football field and I can take care of you. And uh, that kind of thing. And that's just a that's not the right way to live, but it's what I dealt with and that's what children deal with. You know, adults, adults have a little bit different way of going about that. Uh, I humorously remember... Uh, a doctor, my hearing doctor, saying to me when I was a young boy that you must wear hearing aids or you can't function. I didn't want to wear them because they were obvious. He said, John, one day all your friends will have hearing aids. Well, I didn't realize he meant 50 years later, 60 years later, but it's true. All my (laughs) friends have hearing aids now.
1: (laughs) Yes, a lot of us will need them very soon. Some Some of us already have it. What do you think as a pastor is one of your more challenging aspects of your profession
0: well i think the last five years in particular the world has changed it's turned upside down pandemic is a piece of that but you have politics race you have all kinds of issues that are different today than they were five years ago Uh, i remember saying something to someone about a week ago that things i wrote down 30 years ago about struggles that people have and what people are having now as struggles are light years different it's just so much different So, you've got your gender issues, sexuality issues that weren't even imaginable 30 years ago. So, I think pastoring is walking with people who experience some of those things in their own lives or in their families. The political division and the race division that we've experienced in the last five years is unlike anything I've seen in years. And so, I think that complicates pastoring and it, it gives us a bigger challenge. Is there an answer to it? Yes. But it's a challenge as well.
1: What's the answer?
0: Well, the answer is to come together under the kingdom of God. Christ and the kingdom of God is the great equalizer when we come to faith in Christ. Uh, there is no male or female or, or there's no color or background. It doesn't matter where you're coming from. But it does It does mean that you become subservient to Christ and what he's calling us to. And um, so that's the great equalizer. There's answers to every issue. But compassion in how we interact with people that don't agree with us uh, has to be what the believer does. We have to... Learn to love people that are not like us, and uh, we don't have to agree with them, but we do have to love them, and we do have to help them understand why we believe what we believe out of the Bible.
1: What's your best day look like as a pastor?
0: You know, I I love my staff. I love interacting with them. So my best day uh, is not necessarily on a Sunday, Mm -hmm. even though I love my people as well, but I think my best day as a pastor is is when people are actually understanding uh, what God has called us to do, responding to the gospel their lives changed, I mean, man, I live for that. And I live for those experiences where we're able to bring friends with us or people that maybe haven't heard the gospel, the good news before, and realize it really is good news and it really is the answer. Those days I love and uh, wouldn't trade them for anything. They're better than any sports highlight could ever be, better than any comeback season or comeback game.
1: Now, I saw that you guys have a podcast as well, which pulls a lot from your sermons, from Sundays, how long do you prep for those sermons? Do you start working them out months, weeks?
0: Well, sometimes I'll uh, plan out for months, a year's worth of messages in the sense of where I'll be, what uh, series I may be in. Uh, Over the last 17 years, I've preached through 15 different books of the Bible. So sometimes I will know a year and a half in advance I'm going to be in the book of John for this year or whatever it might be. We do preach through entire books of the Bible that way. And on all of our venues, we have five different preaching venues on a given Sunday morning, and they all preach the same text and we study together. So there's a lot of planning that goes in with that. But on a normal week, 15 to 20 hours is not unusual for one message. So Easter Sunday's coming up. I'm going to be preparing at least 15, 20 hours for the 30 minutes I'm going to speak on Easter Sunday morning at those various times. So that's that's kind of how it works. You invest a lot into those messages because those are moments where people get to hear the truth, well thought through, and hopefully applicable to their lives.
1: Do you have other pastors in other cities or churches or denominations or religions that you like to bounce ideas off of, get together with?
0: You have a church club. <laughs> oh, certainly. Oh, yeah, church club. I don't think we call it that. No, I But we do have pastor's but... conferences. And um, yes, there's there are several conferences like that. There's the denomination level where we have um, about 2,500 churches in Texas that I'm uh, somewhat involved with. So we have some opportunities like that. There's also what's called a Mega Metro Pastors Conference that I go to annually. These are pastors of churches that are larger than, say, 3,000 in attendance. And so we, we work along ideas of, about what our challenges are, which are sometimes different from uh, churches of different sizes. So those guys are guys in my timelines, on my uh, uh, social media, and they're a quick text away whenever we have some questions or they have some questions. It's great to interact with guys like that.
1: What is the size of your church?
0: Well, we have about 6,000 6, active attenders. The, the dynamic of who attends every week has changed in the last five years. So uh, the average attender attends 1.8 to 1.9 times a month is, uh, is the average that is nationally uh, quoted. But about 6,000 different people worship here on a regular basis.
1: When did you go to Tennessee? Because you were a pastor there for seven years, is that right?
0: I pastored there from uh, 1999 to 2006 in Chattanooga. So that's over on the far east side uh, of Tennessee. Beautiful, beautiful place, wonderful church there called Woodland Park Baptist Church. Really, I was reluctant to move back to Texas after being in that beautiful place where there were actual mountains and rivers and trees.
1: What did draw you back?
0: Obviously, the job. But. I think, uh, well, definitely, I, I felt definitely called by God to come back here. I, I didn't, uh, I didn't really want to come back um, because so many great things were happening there. But as a pastor, we really serve uh, at the discretion of the Lord. We, we want, we want to know that we're in a place not because it's a job or because you've uh, been given an offer to be there, but we want to be there because we believe God has called us there. So that's what brought me to Texas and to this church. This church is an amazing church. God has worked in it for so many years. It's about 120 years old, but some some of the great men that I've known in my lifetime have pastored in this church, and I feel very privileged to stand on their shoulders.
1: All right, really important question. Better barbecue, Tennessee or Texas?
0: Oh, I'm calling Texas (laughs) on that one. Now, Tennessee's got great barbecue, but Oh, you have so many great places here in Texas, and it's a it's a quest to get to all of them.
1: They, yes, a lot of people make it a passion. Is that something that you're passionate about?
0: Oh, yes, I love it. I'm in barbecue every week, that and Tex-Mex, one place or another.
1: That's very good. Well, John, <laughs> tell people where they can find you.
0: Well, Cross Teddy Church is right just due west of dallas Fort Worth Airport on Airport Freeway. So it's on the south side of the airport. It's part of the hearst Ulyss, bedford Mid-Cities area. And so it's literally 15, 20 minutes from almost any place in Dallas-Fort Worth area. On Sundays, especially when the traffic's not so bad. So I I have a son that lives in the colony. He can make it over here in 25 minutes on Sunday morning. It's just not hard. We're right in the middle of everything. It's a a multi-ethnic church. We have people of all backgrounds here. It's intergenerational. So we have people that are young, people that are old. We have traditional and contemporary worship services, international and Spanish speaking. We've got it all. So we would love to invite people to experience a Good Friday cross service is coming up where I actually carve a cross out of a 20-foot pine tree while I preach. So in 30 minutes, I start that with that log, and I cut it down while I preach. And and so we really kind of relive the moments of the cross on Good Friday. And um, so many people come to that and then, of course, to Easter Sunday services on Sunday mornings.
1: And how can people find your book?
0: Well, the book can be found anywhere online, Amazon, Lifeway, Christian Book Distributors, Target, Walmart, you name it. And I I encourage people to read it because it's an encouraging book. It does encourage us to realize that God's not done with us and that no matter how far behind the game we may feel we are or no matter what's happened in our lives that we think is insurmountable, it's not insurmountable for God. So I really want people to read this because of the message. More than anything else, God's not done with us. We're still here. He's not done.
1: Is there anything else that you want to talk about that I didn't ask you?
0: Wow, you're a great interviewer. I think you asked just about everything. But I really appreciate the opportunity you've given me to, to talk about the book a little bit, talk about our church, talk about the Lord some. And uh, I've enjoyed our time with well,
1: thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. And I'm excited to see how your book does.
0: Thank you very much. Looking forward to it myself. That's awesome.
1: If you'd like to connect with us, go to GibAgencyDallas.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again, and we look forward to being with you again soon.